Have you been feeling stuck, limited, or blocked in your spiritual life? Are you looking for breakthrough today? We are here creating a safe place to uncover real answers to honest questions. Because this is not just another self-help podcast. This is Life for Your Soul. Welcome back to Life for Your Soul. We have our first Rama episode today. I'm pumped about it. Yep. Our introductions are over. This is our monthly Rama episode, very first one. Yep. And as a reminder, our Rama episode is fun because it can be a little off topic. We can speak on whatever the Lord is prompting us to talk about, which today happens to be. Well, we're titling this episode, In It for the Long Haul and the Suddenlies of God. Yes. So long hauls and suddenlies, and we are going to get into exactly what that means. Um, To give you an idea of the theme, it is sticking it out in the long haul for the suddenlies of God. I hope that that will make sense to you in just a few moments. But to get started, Rachel has um, a show verse, an episode verse for this. An episode Bible verse. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait for all of our radio transitions. Yeah, we might need some jingles and we're going to play with that in the future. Some jingles and jangles. Jingles and jangles. Okay, so today's verse is going to be out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. Oh, yeah. It says, I pray that the Father of glory... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. Wow. That's our prayer for you today. Wow. Straight out of the word. Come on. Preach. Bible preach. I mean, we kind of stole it from Paul, the (laughs) apostle, a little bit of plagiarism going on. So what excites me about this episode um, and this topic in general is uh, Rachel's going to get into it. um, But as we talked about in our introductions arc, you know, Rachel was saved young and I wasn't. And so one of the themes that we've seen is that in there hits a point in people's life where it becomes very easily for them to stop believing in God, especially when they've been believing for a long time, right? This goes into our long hauls that we're going to talk about. I'm fascinated because as someone who's been saved for almost 10 years, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I'm not going to ever be there. Praise God. I will love him forever. Um, But I'm I'm just fascinated by this because I, as someone who's living right now in in some power and authority in the Lord, I'm I'm just curious to see the other side, if you will, and also very passionate that no one who's listening to this podcast has any of these things happen. Yeah, <laughs> the negatives. I do. I do feel like this. I'll just call it the disease of the long haul. Come on, is is a big problem with people who grew up Christian. Mm. It's huge. And and I see it less so than with people who received Jesus in a mighty way as an adult. Yeah. Because 
there are those of us who, I mean, when you're raised Christian, you're told the Bible and the principles of the faith from from a childhood. You learn it in Sunday school. Some people even are homeschooled or go to Christian school and they hear it. And there's just something about it that's so external. And a lot of people, it stays external. Like it's in their mind and somewhat in their soul, but there's not really the strong individual faith in it to bring it to life as a relationship yeah, and to have the power of God behind it. Because the tenets of the Christian faith, who Jesus is, what we believe, what the Bible says, for most people is very well and good. It's like, oh, okay, the Bible is relatively positive. It has a good way to live. It tells us a little bit about God. Um, a lot of people think that doesn't really have anything to do with their, their personal life, but it's not real to them in the sense that this is going to help me get through the worst tragedy of my life. Right. And when you're young, this is the beauty of being a teenager. You just <laughs> feel everything. You know, it's like everything is a first. Your emotions, like, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who've been at Christian camp or that youth group meeting where it, the power of God was just so strong and the emotions were high and the music was great and the the visiting preacher preached a fiery sermon and, and you got excited and you felt it and it felt really good and you really believed in that moment that this is going to carry you through and that you're going to you're going to win and you're going to you're going to run this race to the end. Right. And I think most believers that's how they feel. I mean, they really feel that way at the beginning, especially if they have had the typical American life where not a lot of tragedy has happened. I mean, tragedy does happen, but most people don't have a constant worry of where they're going to get their next meal. And persecution. Persecution. Is their house going to be bombed? Um, is someone in their family going to die from, you know, diseases that us here in America never heard of, you know? Right, exactly. And when you're young and bright and the world is your oyster. <laughs> is yeah. that what they say? Yeah. The world is your oyster. And... Then your 20s hit, like your mid-20s. <laughs> you went to college. You're like, oh, I'm going to have the dream career. It's going to be great. You can't find a job. You're still living with your parents or with 10 roommates. And, yep. Um, nothing's – you've got no momentum. Some of your friends found somebody to get married. You still haven't found somebody to get married to. Suddenly you don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, by the time you're in your late 20s – early 30s, some of your friends have already been married and divorced. <laughs> Man, that's true. And there's a certain aspect of, okay, life is not going the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah. And there is... Bring some hope, Rachel. What? <laughs> no, we're still in the trenches here. Hold on. One of the most destructive things in our thinking is the concept of a disappointment one of the things that can be set us back quicker than anything is unrealized expectations partnered with unrealistic expectations. Yeah. There's a Bible verse, which Virginia will so lovingly look up and reference in our show <laughs> notes, but there's a Bible verse that says, 
hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's a certain point in people's lives where they just get beat down. They get beat down by death. They get beat down by sickness. They get beat down by disappointments. Like, I mean, let's just be real, guys. I mean, life is hard. It is not a box of chocolate. Well, it is a bit of a box of chocolates, like Forrest Gump said. You know, <laughs> it's surprises of what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but a lot of people can't handle it. They They have a paradigm of God. They have a paradigm of their life where they weren't prepared for disappointments. They weren't. It was never explained to them how to handle when life goes bad. And there's a lot of ways people try to cope with this. Like a lot of ways. You yeah. know, you know, there's there's the post therapy concept to where you deal with it, you grieve, you, you you know, you conquer it, you get through it, you get counseling, you do the things. There's the other way is you try to avoid it. Like you just you are on the your A game. You do if you do everything perfectly and you do it all right, nothing bad will happen to you and you try to control everything in your life so that the unknowns don't happen. And then, but if you think about it, you know, 200 years ago, people didn't know if they were going to live past 40. True. And they all had a very eternal mindset because they're like, yeah, I might die. I might not have food tomorrow. Like in in other countries, they tend to be more spiritually minded because they don't have, they don't have the guarantee of tomorrow. All right. You're going to love this so much. It's Proverbs 13, 12. In the amplified version is the one that I think a lot of people, if they recognize it, will recognize. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. But true to this episode and what we're talking about, the Passion Translation has Proverbs thirteen twelve as, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. <laughs> Both versions. That's so good. I just want to give a shout out to, um, to our you know woman extraordinaire, Virginia <laughs> Price. Praise God. Um, I mean she does all the back end work for this thing, and uh, she makes us look so good. <laughs> what also makes us look really good is your brain. Yes. Giving, teaching us all this stuff and the anointing of mm-hmm. teaching. So good. No, but really. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you'd like to support the show, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look at the episode description. Yeah. Um. So disappointments, tragedy. There's such a concept of not really knowing how to handle. Like the Bible, if you actually read the word of God, you're going to read story after story of people coming up up against impossible situations, tragedy, heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And but God is there in the midst of all of it. He's there to pick up the pieces, he's there to redirect, he's there to rescue, he's there to pull people out of the pit. For example, in Isaiah 61, it gives a clear description of what God what the Messiah because this is Isaiah, this is Old Testament, and it's speaking forward prophetically of what the Messiah, which is Jesus, is going to do. And even Jesus, in the Gospels, he got up at the temple and was reading that day's scripture. And that day's scripture was 
Isaiah 61. And he even when he finished reading it, he spoke to the crowd and said, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. He basically made the claim in that moment that I'm this guy and this is what I've come to do. Praise God. Um, so in Isaiah 61, we'll just read the Amplified because I got it in front of me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance and retribution of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them a turban instead of dust on their heads as a sign of mourning, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. So they will be called the trees of righteousness, strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Mm, break out the organ music. Bow, bow, bow. So good. Um, We're not really going to get into the theology of suffering and pain and God's sovereignty and all those things in this episode, but I trust you. Trust me, we will. Um, But right now, it's just safe to say that because we're in a broken, fallen world, God does more cleanup and then prevention. He wants to do more prevention, but he actually needs the participation of our will and our agreement Yeah, to enable his spirit to come and to actually prevent tragedies from happening, to improve our situations, to make things more. Um, Jesus said, the disciples asked him, how do we pray? He said, pray this, um, our father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as believers, when we grab a hold of God's will and we're pulling it into the earth by proclaiming it and praying into it and um, declaring it, that is preventative. That actually does make things go well in our life. Like we, how we, he gives us the oil of joy. He gives us, um, you know, garment of praise. Like there is going to be the positive and the beneficial and the blessings of serving God and knowing him. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't know this, and they end up seeing all the bad and and encountering all the bad, and they never know the goodness of God because they don't persevere long enough to see Him rescue them. Yeah, and I I, and I will say that is that is huge what Rachel just said. And when we were prepping and just going over some notes before we recorded this episode, um, one of the things that we talked about was to that exact point, the sticking it out will trap people. And, you know, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think it's a good place to to mention that, you know, religion and being in religion will trap you into this. But having those supernatural encounters with God, building relationship with God, that is what brings us sustained and continued life in this. So we don't burn out. Yeah. And we get to witness his power and his glory and have those suddenlies. And this is where the power of testimony comes in. When you are that believer, that Christian that perseveres and overcomes and still loves God and isn't bitter, Mm. because so much of tragedy, it breaks your soul. 
it shatters it, it causes trauma to you. And it's so easy for people to become bitter and offended and hurt. And not only do you get bitter and offended and hurt and hurt at other people, you start feeling that way towards God. Yes. And a lot of people put the blame on God when that is not where it goes. Right. And that, even if you knew him, it's just like if Virginia and I, if I got offended and hurt at something she said and that snowballed, it could get to the point where our relationship might completely break down and we wouldn't even be able to do this podcast. But you could look at our relationship and in the past say, well, they got along just fine. They were doing this podcast. It was so great. What happened? I don't see what went wrong. I don't see what went wrong. And that that's the way it is for people with God. It's like, okay, I'll believe in this God and I'll try him out for a while. And just like people view divorce, it's like, if this husband doesn't, if this wife doesn't, if they don't do X, Y, and Z and they don't fulfill my needs, if they aren't, you know, if it's not more beneficial to me to be married to them, to not to be married to them, then I'll just leave them. And a lot of people have this, let me try Jesus out. Let me try God out. Let me add a little Jesus to my cereal every morning. And, <laughs> you know, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. I'll give them a try. And even and even a lot of people like that joke going around social media, like, try Jesus, don't try me. <laughs> It's like we we want, and as believers who know God, we want people to try Jesus. I mean, we really do want people to give God a chance. Because if you really do genuinely go all in, both feet into the deep end, God will catch you. You will have an encounter with him. Where a lot of people miss it, where they miss God, is they're, they're just testing the waters a little bit. They're putting their toe in. They're taking it out. They don't have the full commitment. And God's like, I can't give you my full self if you don't give me your full self. Can I can I jump a little deeper just for a moment? We will have to probably talk more on this, and we definitely will be talking more on this in future episodes. But what I also see commonly is people who reach out to God, just like you said, right? I'm going to try a little bit of Jesus, right? They reach out, they give their life to Christ, and then like everything starts going wrong. It's not this magic pill that makes everything better and their life is just wonderful. Things actually get worse. And a lot of that, of course, as we know um, in the supernatural is there's demonic attack. and the, Because Satan doesn't want you to follow God. He doesn't want you to have this life. He wants you to be in destruction. So when you make that commitment to follow him, of course, to follow Jesus, then you get attacked, right? So there, it doesn't happen to everybody in that way that like, clear day and night but there <laughs> i tried jesus it was terrible and my life was ruined and so now i don't anymore and yeah i don't know i mean even with and this is a silly example but even with diet programs you know there's people who will sort of try a diet program for the like first two or three weeks and they don't stick it out and even the people who are proponents say look you got to give this a full 12 weeks you got to give this six months you got to be consistent you got to do it every day if you don't it's not going to work like you think it's going to work right and then they bend the rules and they don't quite do it right and it's and then um i tried it it was terrible <laughs> terrible it didn't work at all. People are just, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? That diet completely failed? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, tell me what you did. Well, and you find out they gave out two weeks in before their body even had a chance to acclimate. Because mm -hmm. um, they're like, oh, I didn't feel good or, and, you know, whatever. 
And people are like that with their relationship with God. The thing is with religion, and this goes back to the very first thing I was saying in the beginning of this, was religion for people who are born into it and raised in it, it's like it's like a diet program that was kind of forced on you and you didn't get the chance to try any other programs. It's like, uh, that's good. you know, like... That's good. And so a lot of people get to the place where they feel like they need to rebel because they weren't given the... The choice, really. The choice, especially in a very religious mindset. I, I know that every... Every heartfelt believer who cares about their kid wants their kid to be saved. And I know that most parents don't, they're not trying to be that forceful thing. They really want it to be organic and they really want their kid to have an encounter with God themselves. But when it's more of making sure your kid becomes part of this religious mindset system versus having and versus really knowing if your kid had an encounter with God, like really has a connection and, you know, that's where you might be failing your kids. Yeah. Because if you're just giving them all these principles and telling them this, it's like if you said, hey, eat Wheaties for breakfast. It's the best cereal. Well, what about Fruit Loops? No, you know, you don't want to try those. You know, yeah. it's like what happens is a lot of times the kids eat the healthy breakfast cereal. Then they get in their teens and 20s and they go, okay, I need to eat the sugariest cereal out there and I'm going to eat a whole box in one go. And it isn't until they make themselves sick on it that they go, you know what? Maybe that Wheaties wasn't so bad. I have you a know? funny story about this. My mom, not the cereal, um, but uh, as a kid growing up, I was not allowed to watch any TV um, except for the weekends. So Monday through Friday, there was no TV. And uh, it was like that. It was just a family rule. So even when I was in high school and my parents would be more relaxed about it, uh, it was still the rule, right? No no TV during the school week. Um, I also was ex- heavily into athletics, so there was no time for me to watch TV anyway. But um, then I go off to college and I have a little TV in my dorm room and I'm watching Grey's Anatomy for the first time. I'm I'm on all these TV series that I just start like binging before binging was a thing on uh, TV shows. And I remember having a phone call with my mom and my mom's like, why are you just like so watching all these shows? You've never been this interested in TV shows before. I was like, I was never allowed to watch them before. (laughs) (laughs) okay so this all goes back to the garden of eden people god said you can have every tree every tree in this garden at that point who knows it could have been thousands every fruited tree there's just one you can't trust me you don't want to do it it's really bad it's gonna be bad yeah and here we are satan just comes up to and the serpent comes up to even's like yeah, God's lying to you and you're totally missing out. Yeah. And unfortunately, and this is why we can prove that we are a fallen world and fallen people and we need God is because inevitably everyone is going to go after their forbidden fruit. There's going to be a point in time where they're like, mm, yeah, my parents, yeah, God, yeah, the Bible, yeah, whatever. But I'm going to try it on my own for a I while. Gotta, you know, I got to see for myself. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a moment in your life, on, and and it could be in any area, but you're going to be like, mm, I got to see it for myself. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and then honestly, though, Rachel, that's a really good place to bring in the suddenlies. 
Like what? So what is that? So there is a paradigm about God. God is not on our timeline. God is outside of our timeline. Yes. And God takes a really long time to act. But when he does, he does it fast and furious. And there's a lot of scriptural examples in this in the yeah, Bible. I want to like, find one actually right now. That verse is 2 Peter 3, 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So that is the that's actually eight and nine, because it's awesome the way that worked out. Today is eight, nine when we're recording this. (laughs) (laughs) So back to my point. What I've seen in my personal life is that when I pray into the will of God, when I really submit, when I am giving myself over to him, there will be these long spans of time where there's that desert experience, there's that long night of the soul, there's those times of long periods of waiting. But when God moves, he moves fast. And it's one of those things that I actually can recognize when God is operating in my life is because of how quickly, how smoothly, it's like boom, 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 stuff will happen. And it's so much better because so... You know, here's the problem. A lot of people don't allow the suddenlies in their life because they don't they don't hold out long enough to see them happen. Here's another thing though. They operate in their life according to their own thoughts, mind, plans, um, worldly wisdom, even their own wisdom. And they don't leave room for God to actually do his thing. So if I go, okay, I'm gonna go to this college because I wanna be a veterinarian, that's great. The college is great. The veterinarian's great. But if you say, I'm going to go do that, and you go and do that when while Scott is saying, well, really, if you had prayed about it, my first plan for you, my better plan for you actually would be for you to go medis- medical school and become a, a doctor. Okay? This is just a made-up example, but go with roll with it. Right. God's still going to be with you at this college being a veterinarian, and he will still do what he can around what you have decided to do. But, and he, you know, and he will work. But when you hold back God's ability to insert himself supernaturally into your life at any moment, you're literally hijacking his ability to bring things about quickly with favor and with power. When God does things God's way, it is mighty. It is glorious. It is full of power. It's exciting. It's full of favor. We got open doors. We got swiftlies and suddenlies, which is probably some Christianese thrown in there. Suddenlies. Well, it was suddenlies. <laughs> Meaning things that happen suddenly. Obviously. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that stating the obvious. Um, and this is what I didn't understand in my life because my family, wonderful family, Christian family, very practical. We have great faith in God, but we didn't understand believing for God for supernatural miracles, for mm. for the above and beyond, for witty ideas and inventions, for the workaround. Like, we didn't believe in that aspect, so we were just very practical. Like, I went to the college I went to because I didn't want to spend a lot of money. Yeah. I, did, I took voice lessons instead of taking dance lessons because voice lessons cost less. Like there are certain things that I – and I felt it was a more practical thing for me. 
and it and all these decisions that I made were because they were just the practical, you know, reasonable thing to do. I at one point at that point in my life, I didn't understand that God cared about those details and that God might have said, hey, instead of voice lessons, I really do want you to do dance because down the road, I'm going to need you to do dance for X, Y, and Z. Like these are things we don't know because God is outside of time and he knows everything. He knows what he originally had planned for your life and he knows where these choices are going to take you. So it's not, it's like every choice that we make, he knows the end result, like the ripples in time of what is going to come about from that decision we made. And, so good. And he has plan B and plan C and plan D to work around our own free will. But that's the whole point of this thing is that he's working around our free will. So when we say not our will, but your will be done, like Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. That's what he said to the father. And he and Jesus was God in the yeah. flesh. And we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's saying your kingdom come, your will be done in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, as it is in heaven. When you do that, it's like unleashing a stallion out of the gates and letting him run. Like if you can imagine the most beautiful horse running down the most beautiful beach yeah, with majestic music <laughs> playing in the background, just the gloriousness of the wild power and the beauty of that horse running, that is God in your life if you let him. That is Holy wow. Spirit if you let him. Wow. And you can be on his back riding bareback with your hair whipping in the wind, <laughs> and you can be woohooing the whole way down the beach, okay? That's the possibility of what your life can be, and that's what this whole podcast is about. Right. The problem is we have put a bridle on God, we've Come on. we don't even ride him. Like we we have him. No, he's just up. sitting in a stable. We have a prize champion sitting in the stable, and you know we don't even we don't even pay attention to him. We don't even like go and and talk and you know go nice horsey and give him a snack. Like we don't even do that with God. We don't pray. We don't listen. We don't take the time to actually give him space to speak to us and and the various ways that we can hear him and we'll talk about that in the future on how to hear God and how to how to respond to God. But like we don't give him those opportunities and and we whine because we're like, oh, you know, our horse hasn't run any won any championships lately. And it's like, well did you even put him in the race? Right. It's like people who are going to talk about winning the lottery and they never actually play the lottery. Um I mean, so there are lots of things that we get excited about and there are definitely prophetic like themes that that get brought in front of our attention often and right now one of the things that rachel myself as well but rachel is very passionate about right now is exactly this people that were strong in god people that wrote books people that were famous musicians like these people that were strong for god and really proclaimed the gospel and were living a what we would say a good Christian life that have not only stopped believing, but have actually denounced and renouncing the things in the books that they wrote and the music that they make and all that kind of stuff. And the passion is discovering like, what is the things that went wrong? How can we fix it? How can we help people so that it doesn't happen to them? And a lot of it is coming down to the, the things that we're talking about in this podcast 
all of it goes together. All of it links together, your soul, how to manage it, how to have supernatural power in your life, understanding the demonic and the spirit realms and how they work, because all of these things work together to keep your relationship with God grounded to him and understanding his sovereignty and where he is. Um, And I know like we already said we're not going to talk about the sovereignty thing now, but also it opens our eyes to not only how much we need him, but how much he can give us and the encounters that we can have and the power that we can live in. And like, I want to be that person on the back of that horse, like balling down the beach, going crazy. And, and that in your life could look like you living out your dream that you want to have in the life that you want to have it, living where you want to live. You could be married, unmarried kids, whatever your dreams are. If your dream is to you know, stand on a stage and preach gospel. If you're standing, if you want to be a musician, like whatever your wild and crazy dream is for your life, that's not impossible with God. It's not impossible with God. So, and I just, a, yeah. I just want to clarify we have our dreams for our lives. But if you think about it, if God made you, if He knows you inside and out, if He knows you better than you know yourself, well, she's going to bring it. Does He not know the best dream for you? She brought it. Does He? Could there be something that He wants for you that you didn't even imagine? That you didn't? It didn't even occur to you because you just thought it wasn't an option. So you, you know didn't what? Even testimony time. Um, I have twin boys, and. I already had a boy before my twin boys. And there's a piece of me that was very sad the day that I found out that I was having twin boys. And a girlfriend of mine who had been friends with me for a long time, we had been friends since like the sixth grade. I had not talked with her a lot um, at that point in time. So I didn't really share my gender disappointment with her yet. So when I told her that I was having twin boys, one of the first things out of her mouth was like, oh, what you've always wanted. I'm like, what is she talking about? What do you mean what I've always wanted? Not only the twin thing or the boy thing, like the whole picture. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, Don't, yeah, when we were like 15, you talked about it all the time, how you wanted to have twin boys. Really? Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then it all started clicking and the Lord brought me back to that point in time. I was like, oh. I did used to say that. I used to say I wanted twin boys and I wanted them first. And I never remembered that. So like he, not only does he know what's best for your life, but even the things that you and your innocence and your youth, honestly, I think when we're closer to God in that way, what our dreams really align up to be, um, like he remembered that. (laughs) And my friend who wasn't even a believer, like he wasn't anything about that, brought it back to attention. So he really does have our best. Okay, so- Scripture verse time. Ooh. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Okay. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Come on. There you go. We have scripture to back it up, people. Boom. Boom. (laughs) So tragedy, if you, okay, so I heard this quote today because um, there's a church out out west in, um, I think, Washington State called Hungry Generation. Oh, so good. 
And um, you can check them out. We, we, we really love them. And they had a young man in their congregation die. And Pastor Vlad, he quoted, he had a quote, and um, I'll probably butcher it, but he said, tragedy is like a knife. You can either hold it from the on the blade or hold it in the handle. And if you hold it on the blade, it'll cut you and you become a victim. If you hold the handle, you get to kind of, you can, you can like direct the course of it. Wow. You know, there's a, there's a certain thing of when tragedy strikes, people give in to what the enemy's trying to do to you through it. And they, they let despair and pain and tragedy just envelop them into a pit. Like they just, they don't bounce back. Yeah. And, you know, we all see those people are like, how did they do it? There's a couple keys. Gratefulness and thankfulness are huge. So big. Like if you can, even if you're in a dark space right now, even if you, the world is crumbling around you, if you can find something to be thankful for, if you can find something to be grateful for, it, it's, a, it's a place where faith in God can reach you. It's like if you're in the pit and someone's trying to throw you a rope, but they, you know, and they're trying to measure, gauge where you are and be able to reach you. When you throw up faith, when you when you throw out um, thankfulness and gratefulness and praise to God, even in, like Job said, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. It's a landing pad for God to rescue you. It's it's that connection point it, a lot of people are just they forget the fact that the dynamics of the spiritual world is such that we have to reach out to god now we're reaching out to him because he first reached out to us right he had already made the first move he provided his son he's willing and able to provide his holy spirit and all the heavenly treasures you know that he has for us but he made that first move and we are sitting around crying in our soup sometimes because other people don't make the first move. Like just even our relationships. It's like, absolutely. I'm having a bummer of a day and like nobody's noticing and nobody said hi to me and nobody, you know, like there's a certain aspect of you become entitled in the sense that you like other people should recognize and see my pain and, and come to me. I shouldn't have to go ask for help. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not how life works. And I, I really do believe that right now somebody needs to hear this. It is on you. You're not getting help because you haven't asked for help. You got to reach out. And this goes in both levels. It goes for your relationship with God and it goes for your relationship with other people. There's so many people that if they really, if you humbly actually ask them for help and you clearly state what you need from them, that they would help you. Don't be ambiguous with God and don't be ambiguous with other people. God is a God is big enough to handle all of this, and He wants you to be specific. He wants you to say, "God, I need your help for this. I need you to do this. Um, I'm reaching out for you to do this." And like I said, He's like that horse. The gate, the opening, the gate for that horse to be let out is you being thankful. It's you being grateful. It's you choosing to have faith despite your circumstances. Faith is an evidence of things not seen. Yep. Right, like there's a scripture verse in Hebrew about faith, um, and you, got, you just, this is just how it works. And trust me, if you do it, you will see how it unfolds. 
we're not going to spend the next, you know, we have to cut this podcast off at some point, but we're, we're not going to spend the next hour giving you all the scriptures and all the examples, but just trust me. And I think everyone innately knows this. Gratefulness, thankfulness are huge. Yeah. And, and, and it's just that, remember, we are talking about how we need to stick out the long haul for the suddenlies, right? Now you got a better understanding of what all that means. As we go through life, as we experience our hardships, as we navigate what this what this world is and walk it out with God, we need to stay continually plugged into him and seeking him and talking to him and reaching out. One of the things that I always stick with is, you know, people that talk about I want to hear from God, you know, but I don't feel like he's talking to me. I don't feel like he's saying anything to me. And I say, if there, if the Bible says that he knows you to the point where he has every hair on your head numbered. And the scripture where it says that God's thoughts towards us are like the, the number of the sand on the seashore. Yes. The number of grains of sand. Yeah. If, if there is someone who not only planned and destined and created you in your life, who thinks about you to that degree, he's going to be constantly reaching out and trying to talk to you and get your attention. And I guarantee you, if you stop in your day and you are aware, you start looking for it, he's absolutely going to meet you. You're going to find it if you open your eyes and your heart to look for it. So I, I say all that to say that those are the kind of relationship building things and reaching out, like Rachel said, not sitting back and waiting for, you know, God to come like to literally like plop a husband in your lap or something like that. You know, like you need to reach out and have that so you can have those suddenly encounters with God and move in those powerful ways and have relationship with him because those supernatural moments are really what sustain your relationship with God and your faith to keep you on fire for him riding down the beach on your stallion. And um, two examples, because I really do want to build your faith by testimony, is that every one of my houses, like everywhere I've come to live, when I left that open and let God direct it, there was a moment where, I mean, even, I mean, I have just so many testimonies. I could spend an hour just testimonies on the suddenlies. Like, trust me, people, on the suddenlies. Like, but our most recent house purchase, we weren't even looking for a house. New Year's. We get a prophetic word from our apostle where he says, I don't know, I just, I see the Lord giving you a house. And and he knows we wanted a house because we were renting, but we wanted to own our own house. But he he knew we were kind of planning in the next couple of years. He's like, no, guys, I really see like it coming suddenly. I see it soon, even this year. And then a month later, and we kind of like, like, okay, well, you know, if God's saying it, let's be open to possibility because we weren't really planning on doing that. Then we get another prophetic word. Um, which again is saying unexpected finances. That was another thing. So our apostle had said new house, unexpected finances. Then we got another word from uh, in another way a month later saying unexpected finances and new home. And we're like, okay, this is just not coincidental. Like this is God speaking. And we're, we as an act of faith just said, okay, you know what? Let's just go see what we qualify for. Like, we don't even know if we qualify for a house in this area. Friday, we see if we get qualified. Saturday, we're qualified. 
we're qualified for more than we thought. And then we're like, well, there's just no way we can pay for a down payment for the houses in this area. Like we have not saved up any money. It's just not going to happen. But we're like, well, you know, maybe let's ask our parents. We asked the one parent and they're like, yeah, you can have, you can have a, a for, um, advance, an advance on your inheritance. And then my other parent, the other set of parents was like, well, we just sold our house and we sold it quickly. By the way, they didn't, they were, moving out of their house and someone saw them moving and asked them if their house was for sale and they had it sold within a week. Wow. They didn't even put it on the market. So their house sold that quickly. Once again, it's the suddenlies. Then they're like, well, you know what? We got more money than we expected. It sold way more than we thought. And yes, we have that money that we can, we can give you for the down payment. Wow. So we had and then we're like, well, <laughs> let's go look for a house. Our good friend, Tina, mm-hmm. small circles, Tina, <laughs> Virginia. It's a small circle, man. It's a small circle here. So Tina um, was going to be our realtor. And she had seen a house that she had wanted and really thought it was for her. She had looked at the house and God distinctly told her when she looked at the house, like, no, this is not going to be your house. And she's a bit bummed about it because she really liked it. So she come, we asked her for help Sunday. So Friday, we did the whole, you know, let's see if we get qualified. Saturday, we're qualified. Sunday, um, and Saturday, we went to another realtor and I didn't really like her. Like we saw a house with her and she wasn't, we weren't happy. So then I asked Tina and Tina's like, yes. And then we go see some houses and then she's like, well, you know what? Based on your criteria, you said you wanted to move to Springfield, but you know, there's a place in Alexander that has, you know, the, the things that you think you like, that I think you would like. In fact, I've been there and I really like this house. Can I show it to you? And we're like, sure. This, this, the house that she was like, was considering for herself. So she knew all about it. She knew because she had done all the research. She knew all the things. So we come and look at it and we walk in the house and we knew it was it. That was it. It was the house. And it's just such an incredible testimony. Maybe I can tell more later, but like it all worked out even with, um, with Tina, some of the things that happened with her that was divinely appointed that made it to where we could get this house. Yeah. And we had the house under contract like within a week or something. So this is really interesting because I really feel like there's someone who's listening to this that is contending for a home specifically and, and starting that process. So I find it's really interesting that you shared that testimony because um, I feel really prompted to share a testimony about a house. Um we recently moved, but not the house that we are currently living in, but the, our first home that we ever bought. Um, we were previously living in a duplex and it was just myself and and we had three babies. I mean, they were so little and we were cramped. And uh, it was like it was like a 750 square, a square foot townhouse. It was so small, a duplex. It was so small. And Jacob, had, my husband had like just gotten a new job. And so for like the, we had been so broke and poor our whole marriage and he had just gotten a new job, huge increase. It was amazing. And we finally felt like, yes, we're, we, we felt rich. Honestly, we weren't, but we felt so rich. And, um, I'm like, we have all this money we can do things with, we can like do all this stuff. And we start thinking about, well, do we buy a house? Well, we had no money saved obviously, because we didn't have any money up until this point in our life. Um, we didn't have any money saved. We hadn't done anything. And um, we looked at the numbers. We figured out what was going on. And we're like, you know what? We resigned ourselves. We had talked about this for over a year. And we resigned ourselves to the fact that, you know what? We're just going to have to put it down, 
seriously put it down and we'll revisit it in 18 months because there's no way it's happening right now. That was on a Friday or a, a, a Friday that we made the decision. That's it. We're putting it down for 18 months. The very next day, um, Jacob's mom texts us something about a house. And for some reason, her text message was like, hey, well, she gave us an idea. Like, hey, maybe that idea could work. So then we start looking into it. Very quickly, we realize that, nope, that idea would not work. And we're like, ah, all right, well, whatever. The very next day was our first day at our, our current church. It was our first time ever visiting. And so we go there and we get a prophetic word saying, I see you coming into land. And immediately Jacob and I knew like everything that we said we were going to sit down, like uh, we're not meant to sit down. Like, so that day I contacted a realtor that I was friends with and from, (laughs) from Sunday morning, getting a word from God saying, I think you need to buy a house after just resigning to the fact that we weren't going to do it within six days. We not only had a realtor, we found a house, we were under contract on that house, and we had actual full financing, complete lending process done in six days. All we had to do was sit around and just wait for our closing. Literally, we went on vacation during our 30-day closing window because we had nothing to do. And our lender was like, this never happens. This is bizarre. And miraculously, we had money to down pay it. So I just say that that was a complete and total suddenly. How funny is that? And you go back to church one week later, hey, that prophetic word happened already. (laughs) Well, and let me tell you, let me explain this. So if I, I knew we were supposed to get a house, you know, people were saying you should get a house and, and I knew it was coming, but I was waiting for God's timing. I didn't force it. The problem is when you want something and you're forcing it to happen, you miss out on these glorious favor suddenlies. Right. Because if you are forcing something that God's grace isn't on, you can make it happen and it won't happen in a way that is miraculous. Right. And like if how how frustrated would I have been if I was just griping every day? Oh man, I, just, I hate renting. I just when am I going to get my own house? Like when is mm-hmm. it going to happen? Now, I got married at age 21. We didn't buy our first home till just this year. I'm 37. It was like 15 years or whatever. That was 15 years of waiting for my first home. I mean, other people had bought homes. They lived in, you know, and and I lived in a tiny apartment. Like it was a long wait. I'm I'm not I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that we didn't wait. Like there were frustrations along the way and all that. But I just knew that I wanted the house and the timing of the house to be what God wanted. Come on. Like I wanted God's best for me. And honestly, And he, that's it right there. You wanted his best. And there were rentals that we had. They weren't the best rental, but it was the perfect rental for our needs and actually allowed for some things that wouldn't normally happen. Like the both places, we had three cats. I was able to rent in this area an apartment and have three cats and the rental uh, office was okay with it. Yeah, that's And I didn't have to pay a pet fee for each pet. I mean, there's certain things that God did that was just like, there was no other way. Yep. I mean, when we moved up here, God had given me a word about persimmons, okay? We move up here and the first apartment we look at was on Persimmon Drive. I was like, you know what? (laughs) That's it. 
I mean, that was it. Like, I just had made the decision right there. I'm like, we're not going to spend, because we had to drive up here from North Carolina. I'm like, I'm not going to spend the next who knows how much time and energy to try to figure out of all the million of apartments you can live in up here, like which one to move into. The one we found that was on Persimmon Drive, I knew God had given me this word about Persimmon because that was the clue. That was what was going to direct me and say, yes, this is the one for you. Yep. Right? Man, that's so good. So, I mean, we have testimony after testimony. At some point, we will have a testimony episode where we just tell you stories. And that'll still only be a tenth of it. It Really? (laughs) Guys, really? And, you know, we're here. I'm here because I learned this over a long period of time. Virginia's here because she just has faith and grabbed it. (laughs) That's true. She did. She just, she jumped in when, when Virginia got saved. She jumped in with both feet hit, you know. Straight in the deep end. Mm-hmm. And that's why her spiritual growth is to such a degree that she's where she's at. Yeah. Because it's supernatural, exponential growth when you just give God your all and you commit and you give him everything. When you don't, it's... Yeah. it's You're going to have a lot of dry spells and you're going to have a lot of frustrations along the way. And it's not God doing it. It's you. Yep. So the takeaway here is, no, you know, no God is for you. He's not against you. He wants to do this. He's that horse behind the gate ready for you to open the gate. But also know that you can't be the victim. You have to participate and you have to do the part that you're responsible for. That's so good. So I'm just going to leave that right there because that was perfect. And um, we'll have everything that we just talked about uh Bible verse reference wise, everything linked on our show notes page. Um, we also really want to say that if you guys like this content, if you like what you're hearing, if any part of this episode touched you and you wanted to share it with somebody, I would really encourage you to do that. Um, and whatever platform you listen to it on, if you would consider leaving us a review, especially on iTunes, um, that would really help the podcast get out in front of more people so that more people can be encouraged, hopefully like you were in this episode. So we just wanted to charge you with that um, for this one. And and you know what? We love you listeners. We do. <laughs> we really do. This is an act of love, guys. Like even this whole podcast is a suddenly, like the whole way this came about is a suddenly. We are believing in faith that God is going to, you know, rock our worlds <laughs> and yeah. rock your world. And, um, that this is going to be a connection point, that this is like a spark that's going to light you on fire and set you straight onto the path that God has for you. And we just want to say that we love you. Yeah. And, and just to be super real, Rachel and I are in the middle of a three week intensive ministry school. We're going on a trip tomorrow out of state. It's tomorrow, today. It's two o'clock in the morning at this point in time that we're recording. And we're doing that in the midst of all of this because of the passion and the love that we have for God and what he's doing and for you as our listener doing it. So, And if you don't have faith for yourself, we're going to have faith for you until, we, on, until you get up. there. That's right. <laughs> so um, our next episode after this one is going to be an entirely new topic arc. So get excited for that. And thanks for listening to today's episode. Bye, y'all. Bye. This has been an episode of Life for Your Soul, brought to you by The Sevenfold. For more info on who we are and what you've heard in today's episode, head over to thesevenfold.com. Today we leave you with this blessing from 3 John. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Until next time, this is Life for Your Soul.